of saying hello or waving, you realize that that is not the person that you know. I believe I have. Yes. Right. Everybody's had that experience. I'm always curious, like, what do you do after you've... I usually pretend that I'm waving to someone behind them. <laughs> uh, and, that's, then, that's and then just stop. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I just keep waving at them and smiling until they. <laughs> <laughs> that's even better, actually. That's I just so com- I just commit. I just commit. Like, I just commit. <laughs> like, oh, you know me now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ikinari Podcast. I'm Jesse Jace, and I am joined once again by Eric Brackwitz. Hi, everybody. And Matt Gibson. Hola. Was that a a holla or an ola? A mix of the two. Fascinating. Language fusion. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, today I wanted to talk to you guys about flawed games. Um, And I want to be clear about what I mean when I say frog games. games? Like Frogger? Uh, Well, I mean, we could do that too. I haven't prepared as much about Frogger, but (laughs) I was specifically like games with a flaw. Right. Um, oh, oh, like a f- something you can walk on. Yeah. Oh God, I hate you. Um, <laughs> no, the games with like problems that are in some way broken, and yet still like despite their brokenness, uh, amazing or great for some other reason. Hmm. Um, and I want to be clear: I don't mean games that are okay. Right? Games that are like, yeah, this is a decent game. It's fine, but it doesn't stand out. I, you know, for instance, uh, I would say like Abzu. Uh, not doesn't fit into this category. It's 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 yeah, it's fun. It's good. It's fine. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of re- recommend you play it, but it's not a big deal. I'm not going to remember it later. Um, I would say not Abzu because okay. it just doesn't stand out. I mean something that stands out as amazing and broken at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I can okay. think of an example right now. Oh well, Jesse, please take us, take us, take us away. Um, but you're going to be annoyed with me because it's a game that we also talked about last week a little bit. That's okay. Um, and it's the first Silent Hill, mm. which I think most people would argue is like, you know, a classic. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a genre-defining survival horror game. Right. But uh, it actually has a huge, I guess. What kind of flaw would this be? A design flaw? It's got a flaw where there's a huge portion of the game that you can skip over. It's not like speedrun tech. Like It's not like, oh, if you jump on top of this garbage can, you can glitch through the wall, and then you can access the you know room you're not supposed to go to. They just made a mistake desi- designing the game, and you can go into an area that you're not supposed to go into before you're supposed to go there. Huh. Um, and I know this because the first time I played it, I did that without even knowing it. Uh, I got super like, this lost. Game's really <laughs> this game is yeah. It, it, well, it wasn't that I noticed that it was short, but at the end, the ending didn't make sense because I had missed out on a couple of cutscenes. Oh, weird. Oh, wait. So, like full cutscenes, you miss? Yeah, I missed a hu- I missed an entire environment of the game, basically. Okay. Wow. And that's it. Wasn't yeah, that's like I wasn't cheating. I just got lost. And right. I was lost for a couple hours and wandering around, wandering around. And the the game's really dark, so I was wandering around in the, the dark, you know, for the whole time. And then I just got to this place, and I was like, oh, here's where I'm supposed to go. But then when I got to the end of the game, I realized, wait, I don't think I saw everything, because the ending didn't make sense. You could argue that it's Silent Hill, so the ending doesn't make sense anyway. Mm-hmm. 
But people now who you know like the game and are you know they sort of defend it, they say that's a, that's actually a sub quest. It's like a subplot. You don't have to do it. But I don't think it was intentional. I think it's a mistake. Otherwise, the ending would have made sense. And I also think um, it's really inexcusable for Silent Hill to do that because in all other instances where Silent Hill doesn't want the player to go somewhere, they, they don't. They're not clever about it. They just put a a giant gaping hole in the road that you can't get past, or uh, or a door that's locked by you know magical power or something. So they could have done anything to prevent the player from going into this area, but they didn't, and that makes me think that it's just a lazy mistake. So yeah, that sounds like a flaw, right? I but think so. Is, is I mean, like, how good was Silent Hill? Uh, is, is it still good despite you missing a chunk of it? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I don't like the game for its ending, though. Um, or even... I, maybe not even for its story that much. I liked the game for the, uh, the like the feeling that I had when I was playing it, not so much for the story. So like it, you know the the um... the the atmosphere. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, atmosphere. That's, that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never play it, as we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, you'll never play it? Oh, yeah, it's too because it's too scary. No, yeah. No. Oh dang! All right. <laughs> but I mean, it sounds great. Um. Sounds great and flawed. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. sounds great and flawed. <laughs> um, I recently finished a very clearly flawed and very clearly amazing game. Uh, uh, I played The Last Guardian, which I've talked about a little bit in the past. Um, and yeah, you may have noticed, uh, you know, critics were kind of split on on how to receive this game. Like uh, a lot of people kind of said, like, yeah, this is potentially an amazing game and there are some unforgivable flaws in it that I would understand if you couldn't get past and couldn't play the game because of right? um, it's got camera problems that are pretty intense um, your main character is a little guy followed by a big giant bird dog and then the two of you are walking around sometimes in like really tight spaces like you know in like caves and like Kind of the point is that they're too small for the bird dog, right? Like that his largeness in the space is part of how the puzzles work. Um, and of course, that means you have got no place to put the camera. So uh, they have a lot of camera problems. It's uh, the same from the, the Ico, Team Ico, where, you know, they always have kind of control. Controls are a little bit floaty in all those games. Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, you know, it's been a long time have. since I played any of those, so I can't really remember the control. I mean, you get used to it, but it is floaty. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it feels different. They have this stupid thing where, like, for some, for whatever reason, tr- uh, triangles jump. Like, <laughs> nobody does that anymore. It's so old. Stop yeah. it. That's what I was wondering, like, because mm. reading about that game mm. and all the problems that it apparently has, mm-hmm. they're all the problems that all their games had. Um, and I'm wondering were, if yeah. it's just a design choice by them to be like particularly so, obtuse or something. I think the control thing is just that's just how they roll. And for me, I can you know I really enjoyed the uh, Shadow of the Colossus, so I am. It's easy for me to get used to. You know, yeah. It's easy for me to say like, yeah, well, this is how it is, and that's fine. Um, you can switch your brain over to do that. Um, 
I really don't think that's a problem or a flaw. I really do think probably that is their de- design choice. Maybe you don't like it or whatever. Mm. The camera is, I think maybe they didn't think about it while they were coming up with the basic conceit of the game. And then they realized later there's really no way around it. It's not game breaking. It's just kind of annoying sometimes. Mm. But there are things that are really actually a problem. Um, I don't know exactly what causes it, but for some reason, in certain situations, in certain places, your character um, has trouble going over terrain. Um, so, like, something that looks pretty flat and walkable, um, he will get caught up on and kind of, like, run in place a little bit. Um, and it seems to happen more often when... Like, so, the, the, the games that these guys make don't have a lot of enemies. You know, Shadow Glasses doesn't have a lot of enemies. Um, Last Guardian has occasional enemies um, and you don't fight them, you run away from them, right? Whenever there are enemies around, that's exactly when this problem happens, where you suddenly get stuck on terrain a lot. So (laughs) running away from enemies, like, that's the the one thing you're supposed to do and you can't do it. Um, And that's, that is truly frustrating. Um, That sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that 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 really is a pain in the ass. And there's a way around it. You just hop around maniac, but like it's stressful for the wrong reason. You yeah. Know? But everything else about that game is amazing. Um, it is a magical experience. With like Jesse was talking about before, uh, the, the atmosphere in that game is truly incredible. Um, yeah. The the rewards for so like there's lots of puzzles. They're not like super difficult puzzles. They're not like the witness level puzzles. They're just, they're a little bit hard, but you can figure it out. Um, there's one or two I got stuck on, but not really all that difficult. And usually the reward for figuring out a puzzle is going back outside to the incredible, incredibly majestic uh, outside views. Like the, they have a great draw distance. And they've really they've made this like giant towering structure that you're kind of slowly going up and and going across bridges to other towering structures. So there's a real sense of verticality in this. And earlier in the game, you're looking up at all this amazing stuff, and later in the game, you're looking down at all this stuff that you passed. And it just it really is magical and looks incredible. And it's it, it's truly breathtaking. It's got a great story. Um, the interaction between the main character, the little boy, and the bird dog. Uh, they do a really good job of pacing the relationship um, so that, like, you're not just all of a sudden friends. Like, you know, you kind of are very slowly progressing. And you kind of just, when you think back to earlier parts of the game, you realize that you weren't, didn't care as much about the bird dog as you do now. Mm-hmm. But you don't, it's really hard to separate when you started caring. Um, which I think is like really skillful and artful blending. You know? um, it's all about blending. Would, um, would the flaws in the game prevent you from playing it again? Absolutely not. Uh, okay. I can see how it would prevent a lot of people. Well, mm-hmm. I think this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It has flaws and they are real and they are a pain in the ass. And if those are too big a thing for you, then that's a shame. But it's still a masterpiece. Yeah, I uh, I lost interest after playing Ico, and I was like, I'm never going to play another game that these guys make. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they didn't really like change their 
what is it? Modus operandi? Yeah, well, they have no reason to. I mean, they have such a big fan base anyway. They're not going to miss out on, like, me. <laughs> Where's but Matt? Yeah. Don't enjoy their, um, their games. Right? Yeah. There's so. probably less of us than there are people who enjoy it. I think I played a lot more of the Shadow of the Colossus than I did of Ico. I don't really remember anything about Ico, actually. Mm-hmm. Good. I wonder if I didn't play Ico, actually. No, I keep on thinking I, I about it. Um, it didn't sound interesting to me. I was like, I, it's a giant, like, escort mission. Yeah, uh, that which is, fun. like, my least favorite thing in games after maybe right. time limits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I highly recommend Last Guardian. It's worth your money. Go buy it. Hmm. Matt, do you have any uh, examples of flawed but amazing games? Yeah, that I've been sat here racking my brain, and uh, I've slowly come up with three that I think really, although they're kind of more recent than older ones. Mm. I can't think of any older ones. I can think of tons of yeah, older I ones. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but I was like, ah, Jesse will be there. He can. I'm the old be. guy. I got the old well, games covered. The older games, I don't know if there are flaws. They just, I think I was flawed as a gamer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but right, because mm. I was not like when I was a kid. I wasn't that complicated a human, you know. No, so, yeah. It's hard for me to look back with like this passionate eyes and like you know if I didn't like a game, it's probably just because I sucked. At it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I didn't like a game, it was probably just too hard. Yeah, I think I recognized when it when it came out though that, for example, Mortal Kombat was a mm. pretty crappy fighting game. Like, it was mm. not balanced, and it, yeah. it had, like, characters could do infinite combos. I actually, the only game tournament I ever participated in in my life was a Mortal Kombat 1 tournament at the local mm. shopping mall, and I lost to a guy who played Sub-Zero and just did uppercut freeze, uppercut uh. freeze, uppercut freeze. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, did this... Did you do that higher tournament? I don't know, because I... Actually, no, because he lost his first match because i he he beat me in losers bracket so he ah, lost okay. one and then i think he might have gone on to win after that maybe he broke out the cheap moves uh yeah. after he lost his first because it was like a double elim thing but uh that it's game legitimate strategy well there was like a whole like a whole slew of just crappy unbalanced fighting games that came out after street fighter 2 because a lot of developers wanted to make a fighting game but didn't want to put the work in to actually make it a you know a non-broken fighting game. Right. Granted most of those are not like great games that are just flawed. They're just crappy games. But They're I think Mortal Kombat was kind of like uh you know it's like a legendary title, right? Mm-hmm. And then it went on to become this huge franchise. So I kind of feel like Mortal Kombat 1 gets a pass because you know it started it started it all so, so to speak. Yeah, I remember there's a Liu Kang one as well. You do like his like really fast like kick and then do his like uh, bicycle kick and you could just spam those two. <laughs> Sounds like a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> they got better but, though. Yeah. After they turned the development over to another company, uh over to oh. Netherrealm, then it yeah. start then they started to get like to become real. They got better and then they got worse and then they got better again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never had any any love for Mortal Kombat. Uh, <gasps> just mm. Street Fighter 2 was already there, so I, I just don't understand. I mean, Street Fighter 2 is better in almost every way than Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Also, Mortal Kombat, don't get me started on the whole like lore 
which just is full of garbage. No, hold on. Like, but that's actually where I start to like it because it's so stupid. It's like, really dumb. Oh, man. I was watching – like a couple of weeks ago, I was watching um, like explanations of the lore of uh, Mortal Kombat by – by this, I don't know, this really excited guy. <laughs> and it was so, oh God, it's probably like what I sound like talking about Lord of the Rings. Is this but, on YouTube? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh, God. explanations of Mortal Kombat lore or something like that? Some, something like that. And it was, I was like, wow, this has turned the corner from being like bad to bad good, you know? Like, <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, the first game I want to talk about is The Order 1886. Uh. I didn't Fuck, play I, it. I didn't even think about how when I brought up this topic you were I was like setting you up to talk about this fucking game. It's, All right. What's what's flawed about it cuz I don't know anything about it. It's it like they just dropped the ball so badly on what could have been just the such a great premise for a story. Like this secret order of like like long-living or immortal warriors who fight against like the dark underground of vampires and werewolves and how the vampires and werewolves is kind of like Illuminati or like kind of like Assassin's Creed kind of two sides and then power struggle in like the background of life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that does sound pretty dope. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And like when you read about it and then you spend most of the game fighting against people and the game, like, I think you see, I saw online the game's six hours long, and it's like, ah, I mean, that's if you power through it. Mm-hmm. If you actually play the game, it's a bit longer, but it's not like full game length, which is yeah. another flaw, I think. That's actually, cool. that's an interesting point. I've been hearing a lot of people start talking about like brevity in games as a selling point, mm-hmm. uh, especially the older everyone gets, and like having kids and jobs. And like having less time to play games, wanting to be able to get to the end and not before the before the next game you want to buy comes out, you know. Like for instance, when I was talking about Inside and how good that was, and it was a short experience. That was great, yeah, yeah. But for my sixty dollars, I want Skyrim. Like, <laughs> you know, I I want, yeah, I want Horizon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I want the unending experience but i i get why people would say that so I w- i'm wondering if the brevity of that game might be a design decision no i i think um they put a lot of work into world building and like the like the sky boxes and the back pieces are beautiful and the character models are beautiful and i think they probably intended to do more but they ran out of time because they just put so much effort into making it look good and it does look really good it's not supposed to be a steampunk setting, is it? It is kind of steampunky, yeah. yeah. Like Victorian, okay. Victorian, like uh, steampunk uh, vampires and werewolves. Right. I have a real problem with games that look good, and that's all. It's not all. Like the game plays beautifully. Like oh, it plays so nice. The gun plays brilliant. Really? Like okay. it feels amazing. Like it's so much fun to play, and that's why it's so short. And you're like. It's finished. Oh. Mm. And you don't feel satisfied. You're like, I wanted more. Uh, the fights where you actually fight against the monsters, like the werewolf fights, are the best bits, and they're just not there enough. Right. It's just people. It's just constant waves of people. It's like I could be playing Call of Duty. 
yeah. Was there any like free uh, DLC after the release? No, no, they got Shannon pretty hard. Yeah, so they, they they shut it down. They shut it down. And I, I'm the second one. I really hope they, they are. A, yeah, well, I heard they invested a lot of money and time into that engine. So, because I think there's a lot of potential if they just build a bigger game, a bigger game with more engaging stuff in it. Okay. I just watched a trailer and all the gameplay was of like people's legs being blown off and then the only place where werewolves show up is in like cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's only a couple of werewolf fights and it's honestly it's like ugh. I really enjoyed the werewolf fights. They were tense, it was great. Uh, they were fast and people was just take cover, shoot them. Take cover, shoot it was just like yeah, gears of war. Hmm. But the werewolf stuff was good because it threw all that cover-based stuff out the window. You had to like fight and dodge and come and eat you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I I say you're selling me on it better than um, the internet has. Yeah, the internet always starts with, "Oh, it's pretty shit," but and it's like, oh, yeah. it's not shit. Yeah. It's just got some flaws. Yeah. I really, uh, I really do appreciate pretty graphics a lot, and like sometimes that is enough for me, where it's like. It's not a great game, but damn, it's beautiful. Uh, uh, that often will be enough for me, so maybe I really should look into it. Oh, I can kind of re- relate to that, because as a kid, I played through a couple of games that were arguably intolerable, but I liked the music a lot. Right. Yeah. And an example of that was, um, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but the Sunsoft game, Fester's Quest, which... Uh, a lot of Adam's people, family. yeah, the Adams Family one is a sh- uh-huh. pretty shit game. Um, it's got super high frustration levels associated with it, <laughs> but the music well, is um, like the Adams Family. It's the Adams Family, yeah, and you play as Uncle Fester, and it's a top-down. It's kind of like the top-down sections of Blaster Master. If you ever played that, you walk around, defeat enemies, you then get into this like house, and there's a boss, and you do that a few times, and then. There's the end, and it's a really tough game, which I somehow had the patience to finish. And the whole thing that kept me going through it was just the music kicks ass. <laughs> it's the <laughs> yeah. music that has it's so good it has no business being in an Adams Family game. Mm. Yeah, I, was, I wonder how that happened. That must be an interesting story. The company that made it is kind of they they hired a sound designer. I think is I don't have it in front of me, but I think his name's Naoki Kodaka, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the music he made, all the games that have his music in them that that company made, the, the music's just top notch. Like for eight bit music, it's, it doesn't get much better than Sunsoft. Well, I've got another game we could talk about. What game yep. is that? Uh, Far Cry Two. Uh, which one was that? Did I play that one? The Far Cry the se- Two, the second the one. one that is. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> which country did it take place in? Africa. I did play that. It's the first one that looks like it, it's like when you think of what Far Cry is now, this is the one where they started doing that. Because oh. Far Cry 1 was weird and different and weird. Far Cry 1 had like aliens and weird shit. Yeah, and like, yeah. Uh, and like yeah. Far Cry 2, uh, I, I think I picked up from GameStop used and it was like during a uh, like a drought, there just wasn't a lot of there weren't a lot of cool video games, and I was like, eh, I don't usually play first person shooting games, but fuck it, I'll play this one. And uh, it turned out to be really, I really enjoy that game. I don't think it did very well, 
but I guess it did well enough for them to do Final Fantasy III. Um, but it it uh, it was the first game to do a lot of things that I really really enjoyed, but it did have its pretty large faults. Um, there are no non-combatants in this open world, like in this open world place. There's like there's no Wait. never every time a car drives down the road. It's guaranteed to be somebody who's going to shoot at you. So there are no NPCs who don't attack you. Yeah, now there are in like cutscenes, but they're not. Those aren't. I don't really. remember that. I, I did play yeah. this game, but I don't. Wow, that's it, that's. If really... you look at like trailers, it super looks like they're. It's going to be like that. But every time, maybe there's a village somewhere that you can go into. But anytime you are outside, like in any kind of combat zone, there aren't people living their lives or going somewhere or just passing through. Also, the world is super empty. Um, there's ah, not a lot of stuff. That's something out. we'll probably talk about when we talk about open world games in particular. Yeah, right. Um, um, so, and this is, you know, a little bit kind of an earlier example of that. So yeah, it, it was super empty and it was because it was super empty. Like when a car is coming down the road, it, it's like, okay, here we go. Things are happening. But it's always an enemy. So you always know, as soon as you hear a car, that that's an enemy. And it kind of takes away from the immersion of the experience, right? Mm. Also, uh, after, like, defeating an enemy camp, like, if you walk away too far and turn around, they respawn. And it's like, ah, like, what? <laughs> why would I, why did I just do that? Um, <laughs> so there are serious problems with it. It's not a perfect game. It's, those things are really annoying. But uh, it has the feeling of tension in that game. And I guess now, like, it, if you've played Far Cry 3 or Far Cry 4 or any, uh, there's, and then Primal and then the new one that's coming out, you may already kind of be used to this. And those games probably do this better than Far Cry 2 did. However, at the time, it was like the feeling of tension when you are about to assault a camp or when you have you know, assaulted somebody and run away or you're trying to get in and stealth people was really, really intense. Um, you didn't have as many tools for like marking enemies. So mm. you really had to figure out on your own where everybody was. Right. Yeah. One of the ways you could do that was the audio in that game is amazing. Um, and if you play it with headphones, you, first of all, you should always play a Far Cry game with any Far Cry game because the the positional audio is really important to how the game works. Um, but it's even more important when you don't have the ability to mark enemies, right? Because you need to tell, like, wait, there is a... I can hear a guy kind of walking over to my left, and there's a guy over there, so I need to go get this guy first and do this and come around. Um, so that, that was really impressive and uh, really made you feel like you were in this little world, and you're, like crouching in this little bush, Trying, hoping that you don't get, you know, killed by people. Um, it did fire really well as like as a game mechanic, like setting things on fire to um, influence the enemies. Did that have really uh, burning grass in it? I think it did, right? It did. It was the. It was like one of the first, like you know, there was one something that they pushed really hard. Uh, it was like you can burn the environment, and it, you know. <laughs> And like, and use that as a tool to you know corral the enemies or yeah. You know. <laughs> no, I did like that aspect of the game a lot actually. Yeah, it was cool. Now in the actual game, it's 
less than it looked like in the developer commentary stuff. <laughs> like it looked a little cooler when they were, you know, hyping the game, of course. They had a lot of like whenever you got into a car or picked up a gun or healed yourself, they, you know, had these animations that like tried to, as they put it, make a visceral connection between you and your virtual avatar. And they, I think they used that that phrase like a million times. Virtual avatar. Yeah, or a visceral connection to your virtual avatar, <laughs> um, uh, which like kind of became kind of a joke. Yeah, it sounds tiresome. <laughs> yeah, but like it really, you know, it was true. Like when you got into the car, if you wanted to look, if you wanted to look at your map, you pulled out a map while you were driving and like it in your hand, right? Yeah, pulled it right out with your intestines. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, and you right. For instance, when you got injured, you had to like dig out the bullet. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, you know, like fix your dislocated arm or something. Yeah. Like that. Make a um, gross so was, crunching noise. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's cool stuff like that, you know? The thing that one of the things that this game does really well is once you get good at this game, you feel like the predator. Like, you feel like you know uh, where everything is and what needs to happen. And you're going to like stealthily take out all these enemies and murder them with blood or you know, set them up for a situation where you can uh, toy with them or whatever, but you feel like a badass mm. um, and it's earned because uh, it's not easy to do. Um, and that I got to say, it, it was terribly flawed, but it was a great experience. Um, I don't recommend going back and playing it now. Just play the newest Far Cry, but uh, <laughs> it, it was, yeah. The thing that's freshest in my mind about Far Cry 2 is, not its strong point, and that's the the multiplayer. Because <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I think that was the last aspect of the game. Yeah, it had multiplayer, and that was the last aspect of the game I touched before I stopped playing the game completely. I thought they started having multiplayer in four. I'm pretty sure they had it in two. Well, I'll look that up. Because I remember they had co-op in three. They had no. They had PvP in two. Oh, I don't remember that. Let me see here. I'm pretty that's sure. That doesn't sound like it would be fun in that game. Uh, it no. must not have been because that's what the last thing I did before I put the game away forever. Yeah, you went, nope. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember the first time I saw a trailer 3, and I was like, thank you, Lord. Like, I was so pumped to get that back. Yeah, here we go. I found a Reddit called, is the Far Cry 2 multiplayer still active? Oh, <laughs> my God. Because <laughs> no. I hate life and yeah. I want to kill answer, myself. Answer, no. <laughs> It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Died a long time ago, like the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, any other examples? Dragon Age Inquisition. Yes, flawed. Oh, I lost interest with that game very quickly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, I recognized its flaws, but I could look over them because I mm. kind of enjoyed the story. Mm. And I got quite invested in my relationship with the characters and stuff which Bioware are pretty good at doing, generally. Yeah, that's kind of one of their shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know it's not um, like up there. People don't look at it like Mass Effect kind of story building, but I, I enjoyed that game. Like, the combat was pretty good, and, like, the world was big. There was a lot kind of going on. How there was a lot of side quests. is the combat? I forget. It's I forget. not. Is it, is it Mass Effect-y? Yeah, I mean, it's 
you you just have like your your resource bar to manage. Ah. It's not turn based at all. Okay. But yeah, I kind of I enjoyed it. Some of the quests were a bit annoying, but nothing was unmanageable. And I played it on the hardest difficulty because hmm. I am a masochist. <laughs> That's why uh, they call so, him Matt the Masochist. So what were That's the right. Um So the world's big, but there were some areas that were just kind of empty within it. And so you'd just be running around a lot. Um, there wasn't like a, a decent enough like quick travel. I think it was too spread out. Mm. So you could quick travel, but then you'd still have to run for ages to get anywhere. Uh, there, there were mounts, but it was still like, ah, oh, so I have to quick travel, but then travel to the other side of this map. Um, there was a lot of just busy work in like the side quests and stuff. It's like, just collect this, collect this. It's like, you oh. have to do all that stuff. Uh, 90% of games suffer from that. Yeah. But in a game like from Bioware, I don't really, I feel like they could do better. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's flawed because of where it comes from more than it's just okay, a flaw right it's like look we should be able to expect better from you because yeah you're bioware yeah i should expect like slightly better okay and uh, i don't i don't have a lot to say to that one just that it was flawed but if you can get through it i think it's quite beautiful and it's mm-hmm. fun to play I, I played a mage so maybe you know your experiences might differ based on the class you chose. No, I heard from a friend of mine um, that, yeah, that it was pretty great, like that it was had been overlooked and that it was worth a try. Um, yeah. I only ever played whatever the worst. Two. Uh, yeah, I played that. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm trying really hard to like this. And after a while, I was like, I can't. I can't no. It's really like, funny that you remember that the one you played was the worst, even though it's the well, only one you played. Well, because people, people are like, oh, that's not the one. That's not the yeah. way you should play. That's why you don't like this series. And I was like, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, which one did you play? Oh, the worst one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it was so. I don't know. I, maybe I should go back and give it a try. Can I let me describe something in a game, and I want you guys to tell me if you think it's a flaw. So um, I started making YouTube videos of the game Prey, right? Mm. And um, what's the that? Remake. The the new one. The new one. It, it's uh, not a remake, right? No. Well, it's a reimagining. Yeah, it's a re. But yeah. like, they didn't put a number on it, or. No, you know. and that's a troublesome trend lately that I don't care for. But right, it's yeah. like which. So now I have to say, pray to twenty seventeen. Like, come on. Like, did this you like Tomb Raider? Pray. Then you'll love Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in pray, there's a mechanic where you have to re- replenish your life by eating things or using med kits. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you can drink things, and one of the things you can drink is water from a fountain. And the water fountain, I pointed this out in my gameplay video, but if you stand there patiently, you can keep drinking water from a fountain. It, it gives you one health at a time. And there's a cooldown on it for, for like, I don't know, four or five seconds. So if you're patient enough and your health's down around 25%, you can just drink and wait and drink and wait 
and drink until you're up to a hundred percent, and it mm. really breaks the sub the not the submersion the immersion of the game mm-hmm. because you're like I'm cheating. You're like I'm gaming the system to replenish my health because there's no food around and I don't have a med kit. All there is is this unlimited but very slow water bubbler. I mean, it, I if they dead spaced it a little bit and had somebody come up and you know. Like, if you had to worry about somebody coming up and getting you, mm. then I think that would not be broken. Or if they I, uh, fall out at it and said, like, every time you drink from it, you get radiation. Oh. Maybe. Uh, there I is radiation if... in that game, actually. Yeah. There is a mechanic for it, but it doesn't affect the water coolers. Right. I don't think it's a flaw. I think they're very meticulous in designing games, Arcane. And I think they put it there for you to use it that way if you want to. That's really weird yeah. to me. I mean, it's like then it depends on the player's uh, it depends tenacity. On the player. Yeah, huh. because like, you can go into a room. Fun. Yeah, but it is to someone. Maybe they're like, "Oh, I'll just wait here and heal up." But right, the other thing is though. See, I don't know. I'm not sure I could agree. I think for me, it wouldn't be fun, but I would feel like I was wasting it if I didn't. <laughs> so I would feel like I ha- like kind of have to or should. Or, you know, just in case something happens. Where I think I would rather be pushed to... Because like, I'm going to always take the easiest path. Right? <laughs> Gamers tend to take the easiest path. And if the easiest path is not fun, then hmm. I feel like the, the developer has failed. In that, right? I kind of feel like it's the, like, the logical extreme of the game trope where eating replenishes your health. And mm-hmm. it makes me wish that, like, there'd be a movie that would just take all this shit literally and, like, <laughs> have a guy get hit by a car and he's, like, his <laughs> legs are broken and he's, like, ah, oh, I'm going to die. And then he sits down to a huge turkey dinner and he's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that, and then this is just the extension of that. Like, hey, here's a water cooler. It, refuel, it, uh, it refills your health a little bit. But if you stick around, it'll refill your health all the way. Mm. It's really goofy in my mind. But yeah, no, there's something about Prey. Like, um, I watch a guy called Skill Up on YouTube, and he did a review of it. And he talked about how he got trapped in a room, and he didn't know how to get out. He couldn't open the door. He couldn't hack the computer. And he spent like an hour going, ah, I'm trapped. This game has fucked me. Until he realized there's a vent up high, and that he could use the glue gun to get up there. Oh, yeah. It took me and a while that, to figure out that you could step on the glue. And that there's so many, like, you're not trapped, because if you'd invested points into hacking, you could have got out through hacking the computer. If you'd invested uh, points in this, you could have got out through there. In strength, maybe, you could have broken a window. Right. Everything right. has a, a choice behind it. And I right. think the water thing is the same with them. That may be true for the water thing. But for specifically for his situation, there was that vent, and he was always, like, you're, you're not going to not have the one of the first things you get but that's my point some people could have gone this is a floor and stopped playing right yeah so i would say because they gave you you're just not smart enough to figure out that there's a vent like yeah that's not a flaw that's you know and they gave you a lot of other things that if you tested things now if there wasn't a vent and you like there are games that have done that. I can't give you any examples right now, but we're like, they just thought that you were going to have powered up one of these things by now. Yeah. You chose, and they gave you the option, but they gave you the option to not, 
Yep. And then you didn't. And, and then, then you, you got stuck. And now you're fucked. That's kind of yeah. like the Silent Hill thing earlier, where Konami or Team Silent thought the player would naturally go from location A to location B. Right. They right. didn't realize that if the player gets lost on the way, they might end up in location C. And right. they didn't do anything to prevent it from happening. Exactly. That's a, um, that's you, kind of a glitch. That's like a... Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what you do, you know, QA for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not a glitch. That's just a flaw. It's a bad design. Bad design, yeah. And, you know... Sorry, I mean, glitch it, is the wrong... It, a tester would say it's a bug. Even though it's not a fault in the like code, code it's right. a flaw in the design. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, the human code. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> a novel by Dan Brown. I can't believe you've done this. God, that okay, hold on. We have to talk about Dan Brown just for a second. Oh, Those, let's change I, it up. Yep, we're changing it up. Um <laughs> Flawed, but flawed and flawed is the only thing you can say about them. Like, if you've ever tried to read one of his books, it's I amazing have. how many. Like, he'll say those books could be half the length because every time something happens that he has to explain, he starts with an explanation of what it is at a rather, relatively high level, right? Then he goes and explains it uh, for people who are a little bit less smart than that. And then he explains it for people who are a little less smart than that. And then for a little less smart than that and a little less smart. He does like <laughs> I know what five you mean. explanations of the same thing. And it's like, I get why he would do that. Like, he's like, I want people who are smart to figure it out on the first time to feel like, yay. And then I want people who are dumb to buy my books. Um, and there's and always I, a character who's like, who gets it at first. And he's like, ah, oh, I see how clever indeed. <laughs> yeah, right, and then right, everyone right. else is like, what? I don't get it. What's going on? And right, the, and the right, guy who right. gets it doesn't explain it. He's just like, yes, <laughs> it's a good joke. It's a great trick. I love it. Right. And then like, yeah, but he's, but he, he hits one for every level of like possible human consciousness. And by the end, by the time he explains it to the idiot in the corner, you're just like, Oh my God, can this book fucking die? Like, uh, <laughs> I didn't even get to the to to the end of the books to like you know I can't even complain about like how ridiculous the idea behind it is or whatever because I just couldn't get past the fact that like stop explaining things I get it shut up <laughs> like just choose who you want to read this book the bit uh, of the old explanation is what we yeah, call it so that's why people uh, tune in to Ikinari podcast to get this right. timely commentary on Dan Brown novels <laughs> it's right oh. <laughs> Heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers on the pulse. Yeah, ripped from the headlines. <laughs> I've got one last kind of short, uh, not a short game, but a short discussion probably about uh, flawed games. Bioshock Infinite. Oh, I didn't play that either. Shit, I don't belong on this show. No, you don't. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, I only played one and two. Yeah, I mean, they're probably better games. Um, two, two should just be removed from the conversation. Okay, I know people who really. Okay, love I only played one. <laughs> <laughs> I removed it. See, <laughs> deleted. Two um, felt so tacked on. Like if you want to do flawed games, I'd go there. Okay. Well, I mean, I, from what I heard of two is that there the uh, gameplay was really great. The story was really unnecessary. Yeah, and I think that's why I because right the, the gameplay in one was good. Uh, but right. the story was unreal. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, and actually, I didn't really like Bioshock 1. I started playing it and was like, nope, this is not for me. Mm. I finished it, and at the end I was kind of like... A little mm. bit, but also just, I don't know. I didn't give it a chance, right? Uh, um, it is creepy. It, was at a time, it is yeah, creepy. But I, I was okay with the creepiness because the story was kind of cool, but I didn't really enjoy the gameplay that much, and I would have stayed had I known how good the story was going to be. Mm. Um, so that's why I played Bioshock Infinite because I was like, okay, yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm back this time for oh, real. God, that weird noise just happened. I don't know whose mic that came from, but it sounded like a, a spaceship flying by. <laughs> Sweet. It was like, <laughs> oh, I think it was a motorbike went by my window. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it made a really funky uh, noise. But yeah, so I came back and the gameplay in Bioshock Infinite is fine it's fine it's not particularly amazing the skyhook thing was not nearly as cool as it looked like it was going to be in the trailers <sighs> um sacrilege that is cool it was fine but it wasn't like standout amazing compared to how fucking amazingly awesome that story was i really really appreciated that story matter yeah. of fact i would say it's worth it if you don't want to play the game just go and watch the story on on youtube yeah, there'll be like an edit, won't there? Like a movie is, edit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a wonderful mindfuck of a, of a story. I mean... Uh, it's, it's so meta. It's, it's crazy meta. It really is. Um, and it also explains uh, where uh, like uh, sequels and video games come from. <laughs> you know, like... Where babies it, come from. <laughs> it explains so much shit uh, by the end. Uh, Maybe you should say a- where little sisters come from. Oh, see how I did that? Being clever. Um, I don't get it. Um, uh- but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so all right. Even the ending, which is amazing, is not the only thing. I would say that there are several times during the story where you you're like, oh, I get it, I get it. Ah, it's gonna be this, and then you're kind of right, and then there's a twist. And then you have to build up again of like, wait, what's happening? Wait, what's going on? Wait, I get it. Uh, there's another weird twist. And like, there are a lot of interesting weird twists and you don't get it. Guaranteed. I'd be uh, willing to so play it. Like it's, it's super cheap on steam nowadays. I think. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think the collection on PS4 is pretty cheap as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe I should just get that. I could play the first one again. I don't think I'd like to play two again. I didn't finish two. But yeah, man, like uh, the like monster closets didn't really make a lot of sense to me because uh, it was just to me they were like all, the enemies and the fighting really was just in the way. It was like get out of my way. I want to see the next part of the story. Ah, um, uh, I don't know. The enemies are pretty good in Infinite. Like there was a lot of like law and reason for them existing. That's true. That's true. But. They weren't, to me, they couldn't compare with how awesome that story was. You know, like, I, the like, okay, so good. for instance, Horizon, the game, the story is surprisingly good in Horizon. Infinite's got a better story, but Horizon's got a really, really solid story, right? Um, and it's really good, and it's really, really rewarding, and getting to the end of that story feels great. And the gameplay is at the same caliber of that story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's never a time where I'm like, oh, just shut up. I want to just get to the story. I'm like, yeah, the story will pop up when I get to it. In the meantime, I'm going to do all this cool shit. 
Yeah. Um, so it feels really balanced to me, right? There, I'm not sure what kind of amazing gameplay it would require for me in Bioshock Infinite for me to feel like it's balancing out with the story. Um, because, again, that story is really fucking good. Um, so I, it's, maybe it's not fair of me to, say, to like, judge it that way. Because, um, you know, I had no problem with the combat. The, the combat was good and fun, and there was lots of cool stuff in it. It's just yeah. like, god damn. Right. Ken Levine, you motherfucker. Okay, I think maybe this is a good place to uh, stop and bring it around to do this. Do this. <laughs> I I kind of want to make like a a little like music jingle. stab. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, yeah. Do, 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 do this. Oh God, no air horns, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do this. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can it be that? Please just, just, just be that. Yeah. Do, 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 do this. I'll just do that with my voice every time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's time for do, 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 do this. Um, <laughs> who, who wants to go first this time? Me. All right. Ooh. So you should try taking a shower in the dark. Uh, I think I have tried that. It works better if you don't have a window. <laughs> but yeah, take a shower in the dark. <laughs> I would say candlelight is acceptable, but kind of pointless. Uh, in the dark, it's a singular experience. Uh, it's you, you realize you don't actually use your eyes for anything during the shower, like in the shower. Um, hmm. So yeah, it's it's comforting and warm and and. And like it's like being under blank, you know that, that feeling of being under the blankets uh, and warm and snuggly. It's that, but in a shower. Um, <laughs> and for bonus points, uh, you should try listening to music. Uh, you can put your iPhone in a Ziploc bag and take that in the shower and listen to some music in the dark while you take a shower. How can you Do hear this? the iPhone when it's in the Ziploc bag? Oh, you can still hear it through the Ziploc. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so do this. Take a shower in the dark. All right. Uh yeah okay, Matt, have you got to do this? Uh yeah, I have to do this. Don't listen to Eric; he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> no, I'm joking. My my do this is everyone should fold some origami. Oh yeah, how cultural! Yes, mm-hmm. I just I'm. It's I don't know, like. The experience of making a piece of paper into something without cutting it is it's really like cent- it really centers you. Wait, you're not you're supposed like, to cut it? I've no, been, no cutting. I, that's I've been, that's I've been kitty doing gummy. It wrong. That's kitty, kitty gummy. Kitty gummy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> origami. Have you been doing cutting. some origami with your kids or something? Oh no, I've been doing origami for years. Oh, just I, uh, oh. I like I love the really complicated folding. So, so for those of you who don't know Matt, Matt is a giant hulking man with a huge, often a huge beard. And I and love the idea my, of, of seven foot tall uh, Matt Gibson with his one, one foot long beard. Uh, like, <laughs> arch, like, like, I don't use curl- my beard to fold the paper. <laughs> but I just like the idea of you curled up over a little table, like little glasses on. <laughs> delicate little crane it's what, a beautiful it's a beautiful image the main problem with he it folds is the paper hands. viscerally with his guts <laughs> yeah. my hands are the size of basketballs 
<laughs> so yeah, everyone's always like, "Wait, you folded that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, with my giant fingers." Yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah, it's like you can tell that origami originated in a country where the average hand size is a lot smaller than it is yeah. in the West. I'm uh, but, yeah. terrible at origami. My daughter gets these origami kits, like books full of origami projects, and I can't mm. understand the directions because um, <laughs> they use a special lingo like that, you know, my Japanese doesn't cover. So I'm like, ask your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was in English, ask your mom. <laughs> this kid's game's too complicated for me. Ask your mom. <laughs> My my favorite joke used to be to uh, to say I could do origami and take a piece of paper and like carefully fold it a few times and then just crumple it up and say it's a porcupine. <laughs> oh, oh, it's an origami rock. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> it's a sea urchin. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sea urchin. It's good. Um, yeah. do this, everybody. Check out. It's actually another podcast. Um, it's What's called that? High Scores. And Ooh. it's a video game music podcast. Um, nice. it's oh, that's on, a good title. <laughs> yeah, scores like like music scores, but there's like game scores, but it's like they're but they're getting high. No, they're not getting high. Anyway, <clears throat> it's uh it's put together by uh, a handful of I think they're Canadian. I think they live in Winnipeg, maybe. Uh, oh. Young guys, they are university guys, um, and they play music mostly from I think about the fifth generation onward so like not really so much 8 and 16 bit stuff but after that like like 32 32 bit onward yeah um and they're really nice and if you send them a recommendation they're usually uh pretty prompt about playing it on an episode soon after that um Mm -hmm. i recently recommended them uh some music from the original sims and uh they quoted my email to them in kind of a funny way on the show and um I feel like we should give them a nod because this segment, the do this segment, was inspired by that podcast, which always finishes with uh, recommendations by each of the Oh, members. fuck, are we thieves? No, because we... E- everyone is. They call it recommendations, and we call it okay. do this. All right. So uh, for us, it's not so much a recommendation different. as a command. That's right. <laughs> yes. Do it. You must do this. That's right. I like it. <laughs> All right, that's going to just about wrap it up for this episode, but I want all of our listeners to know that uh, our internet presence has expanded quite a bit, and uh, you can now send questions and comments to ikinaripodcast at gmail.com. You can also find and like us on Facebook, and the big news is that Ikinari Podcast is now available on iTunes after much technical struggle. Uh, So thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Ikinari Podcast.